Welcome to the Swan Signal Podcast, a production of Swan Bitcoin, the best way to accumulate Bitcoin using automatic recurring buys at swanbitcoin.com. I'm Brady, head of education at Swan. On behalf of the entire Swan team, I'd like to welcome you back to the Swan Signal Podcast. Swan Signal pairs up great Bitcoiners for compelling discussions that are unique on the Bitcoin content scene. Every week, we broadcast Swan Signal Live on Twitter at Swan Bitcoin and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Swan Signal. Then we publish the audio here on this feed. This week, we are joined by Jimmy Song, Bitcoin educator, developer, and entrepreneur, Alex Svetsky, founder of Amber, an Aussie-based Bitcoin-only company, as well as Swan founder Corey Clipston. I'm glad you found your way here. Hope you enjoy. All right, we are live. Welcome everyone on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook. Apparently Twitch is down right now, so you're not watching there. Welcome back to Swan Signal Live, a weekly show that pairs up great Bitcoiners for compelling discussions. I'm Brady Swenson, head of education at Swan. Before we dive in, a quick word about the service we provide here at Swan. We built the best way to accumulate Bitcoin with automatic recurring buys. It's a very simple setup. One, you connect your bank account to AutoFund USD. Two, we automatically stack for you. Three, you can set up automatic withdrawals to your wallet. We do that all with very low fees for recurring purchases in the industry, up to 80% less than Coinbase, 50, 57% less than Cash App. Um, you can get started at swanbitcoin.com slash pay, and you'll get $10 of Bitcoin dropped into your account after you start saving with Swan and the Bitcoin open source project by that name, BTC Pay, will get 0.25% of every Swan plan purchase you make for the next three years. You can get in on this great referral program yourself. You can refer US-based customers from anywhere in the world and stack some sats while you do it. Get paid to mint new Bitcoiners. Uh, check it out at swanbitcoin.com enlist. All right, let's get to today's show. We have a great pair of Bitcoiners with us today again. Jimmy Song, Bitcoin educator, developer and entrepreneur. Welcome to Swan Signal, Jimmy. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. And Alex Svetsky, founder of Amber, Swan's wingman down under. Welcome, Alex. How's it going? Very good, gentlemen. Thank you for, um, thank you for having me on and for getting me on with Jimmy. Absolutely, man. And Corey Clipston, founder of Swan. Glad to have you here as always. How's it going, Corey? Yeah, you know, I, I usually chime in for like the last half hour, but I wasn't going to miss this one. I'm, I'm in for the whole, the whole gig. Uh, got some stories to tell about both of these guys and uh, excited to uh, have this conversation. Yeah, Corey came on this morning in Slack and was like, I'm hanging out the whole time. I'm, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to be more involved in this one. Uh, he's stoked. All right. Let's start by talking about building on Bitcoin. Uh, we'll start with you, Jimmy. Uh, you authored Programming Bitcoin, of course. It teaches the basics of building on Bitcoin. And of course, you also run Programming Blockchain, which is like a two-day interactive seminar that gets into the details, live coding challenges, etc. So first, what inspired you to begin building on Bitcoin and what in turn inspired you to start teaching? 
Yeah, uh, great questions. The, the, the reason why I got into building on Bitcoin was because uh, right, right around 2016, 2017, I realized like this was, uh, Bitcoin was becoming a significant part of my net worth and I needed to protect it in whatever way I could. And uh, the, what, you know, I've been a developer for 20 something years. So I was like, okay, I, I need to put my development skills into making this community better. Um, and I was, I was looking into ways to contribute and so on. Um, my contribution started in 2013 with various open source projects and so on. Uh, but it got to the point where it was just kind of like, okay, you know, I could contribute and I could probably get in maybe a hundred pull requests a year or something like that. But that's not going to scale very well because I'm only one person. Um, and at that point, I was like, you know, the, the biggest thing missing in this industry are good developers or a, a path for developers to get into Bitcoin. So um, I created a program to do that. I, I uh, taught it at a previous company that I used to be at, uh, Paxos. Um, and I did it every time there was like a new cohort of developers. And I, I, did it, I taught it like three times. And I got really good feedback from them saying, okay, now Bitcoin makes sense. Because before I didn't understand it at all. I thought I did, but I didn't understand it. Um, and at that point, I was like, okay, well, if these people find it useful, there's a good chance that other people might find it useful. Uh, so I started doing those seminars uh, back in 2017. And, uh, and you know, I, I've taught over 500 people, a lot of different types of people, people that I would never have guessed would want to learn this stuff, like retired octogenarians, uh, you know, 14-year-old high school figure skaters, um, just random people all over the place uh, that, that want to learn this. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's been very rewarding. A lot of my students have gone on and uh, done, for example, the Chain Code residency that have uh, gone on to all of the different uh, Bitcoin companies that are out there and you know, they're contributing to the ecosystem. So in that, in, in that sense, I think I've at least gotten partway through to my mission, which is to create more developers for the ecosystem. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe just a couple samples of some stories about uh, people who've gone through your course and ended up contributing to Bitcoin Core. Yeah, uh, so I think Federico Ulfo, he's, uh, he's now being um, sponsored, I think, by OKCoin to contribute to Bitcoin Core. He, 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 took, he, went on, uh, he took my course, um, then he went on to the Chain Code residency. That uh, seems to be a common path for some reason. Uh, there's a bunch of other people that have done that. Uh, but yeah, he, he's now sponsored um, and he, he's, he's doing a lot of coding, um, you know, for Bitcoin Core. Uh, Valentine Wallace, uh, she, won, she actually won a scholarship um, uh, and she ended up uh, going to Lightning Lab. She's now at Square uh, working on the Rust Lightning implementation. Uh, so she, she's doing pretty well. Uh, so, you know, uh, Carl Dong, he, he was at Blockstream when he took my course. And, he, and when I asked him why, why he was taking my course, he's from Blockstream. He was like, well, I want to understand what the hell Peter Woolley is saying when he, whenever he talks to me, because I, I don't understand what the hell he's saying. Uh, so he took that course. Uh, then, then he went on to Chaincode Labs, um, and he's done that. Um, Jonas, uh, I forget his last name, but he, 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 he's the director uh, for the Chaincode Labs residency, he took my course a while back, and he he now arranges the curriculum for uh, the Chaincode residency and so on. But uh, but yeah, I mean there there's ton more people. Those are just the ones that I could think of off the top. Man, that's that's a legacy already. 
uh, and you know, you're just getting started, man. <laughs> All right, Alex, you're up. Uh, you know, you're not a technical person in the way that Jimmy is, uh, but you're building on Bitcoin in a different way. You're building from the business side of things. Yep. So I'll ask you the same question. Uh, what inspired you to build a, you know, a business on Bitcoin and why in particular a recurring buys platform? Uh, it's a slightly different story, I guess. Uh, I mean, we've all got our parallels, right? Is, um, I uh, fell down the rabbit hole um, uh, you know, a bit later than, um, than Jimmy did, so 2016 sort of time. And, uh, and I, the, the, the more I fell down, the more I basically pissed everyone off around me that I knew um, with you know, berating them, telling them to buy some Bitcoin. And I just kept getting the, the usual, stop annoying me, you know, I don't know where to buy it, how to buy it, how much to buy, it's too volatile. The, the usual, the usual um, uh, you know, what we call in sales, negs, you know, the, the usual opposite. Uh, Jesus, what's the word? My, my brain's fried. I've been doing too many podcasts today. Is it um, toxic? It's <laughs> <laughs> the word the, toxic. The usual objections. That's the word I'm looking for. The usual objections that people give you for, you know, but not buying Bitcoin. And I mean, at the time, you know, you, you, the, the status quo in Australia was, uh, you know, use Coinbase um, or, you know, there was primarily the shitcoin casino called CoinSpot. And um, P.S. Am I allowed to swear on here? Um, I just did. But anyway, I'll try it. I'll try it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I thought, man, this, that has to be an easier way. Uh, and I decided to, um, to look at building. So the first iteration of Amber was actually a... Um, uh, rounding up your spare change uh, into Bitcoin. So that was the original uh, uh, version. And, and the idea was that you could link your bank account, um, go buy a coffee for $4.50 or whatever, um, and, you know, the round it up to the nearest uh, dollar amount and, and stack that. But, you know, what, what we found was, you know, we spent all this time and energy building this tech and all this crap, and we realized that, you know, th with the legacy financial system, the amount of um, intrusive uh, things you would need to do to look at somebody's um, you know, payment history and everything to actually work out that kind of stuff. We, we ended up dunking that. And then we went with a much smoother DCA where you set an amount and a frequency. Um, and the idea has always been like, you know, I think it's been interesting having discussions with, you know, uh, potential investors and this and that, you know, where particularly in 2018 when we were first raising money, um, you know, we raised our first chunk of money right in the, in the death throes of the bear market where, um, you know, Bitcoin really sort of fell from 10 grand down to three grand. Um, and, you know, people were losing their minds and, you know, they're wondering why we weren't, you know, like everyone used to look at me like I had three heads. They're like, uh, what do you mean you're not doing a coin? You know, or what, what do you mean you're not, um, you know, why is this not a blockchain project? And I was like, you know, I just felt like such a, such a fish out of water. You know, I'm just, I, I remember going to these um, capital raising expos and, you know, getting on stage and, talking about how ICOs are scams and, um, and you know, people would boo me off the stage. <laughs> and, then, um, and, you know, the next year I got invited back to those um, conferences, you know, with apologies saying, oh, you know, you are, you're right. And, you know, the, the MO for me always with Amber was just to specifically help people accumulate um, Bitcoin. And, and none of the, none of the uh, shit coinery and chicanery that sort of went around with that. And, um, and I'm glad to say that, you know, here we are. Uh, I mean, it's been over two years since the, the inception of the idea. And I kind of, 
uh, see 2018 as a write-off year because that's the year we were fucking around with all the um with all the roundups and stuff. So really, we've only been in market for about a year and a bit. But you know, again, the the essence was there from the beginning. So two years later, you know, I it's I. I'm really happy to see like a resurgence of Bitcoin only companies, um, you know, with you guys, you know, with River, with, you know, with all sorts of, you know, strong, solid businesses now that are, um, that are waving the Bitcoin flag, you know, and, and, and all at the same time, you know, you've got the, the backdrop of, um, you know, people like Coinbase who continue to hire, you know, NSA um, operatives, <laughs> um, you know, to, to put it lightly and, um, and add shitcoin. So it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So I'm, I'm glad we, we stuck to our guns. Um, and I think it's, it's testament to sort of understanding the essence of why Bitcoin exists in the first place, um, as opposed to just going out and building the next, uh, shiny shitcoin app. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I want to take that opportunity to dunk on some of these old, old school companies because they, piss me off. I mean, like uh, companies like Coinbase and, uh, you know, uh, Binance and many of these others, uh, especially like the Silicon Valley types. Corey, you, you would know a lot more about this, but it, it's, it, it's amazing to me how many of them just refuse to get Bitcoin's value prop and are always, uh, I don't know, talking their book and, and trying to, you know, encourage people to buy more ICOs or something. Why, what's up with them? Well, there's definitely an incentive problem there. And I think that's super clear, right? Like it's it, once you get investors involved or you get greedy or, you know, there, there can be, there can be a lot of reasons that a company starts to do things that aren't necessarily in the best interests of the world themselves, even their customers. I mean, I haven't heard Google saying don't be evil for, you know, 10 years now. Cause it's just like, <laughs> would be laughed at, right? Like can't really carry that flag anymore. Um, <clears throat> So one of the things that happens is, you know, in a, in a cyclical business, which Bitcoin ended up being more cyclical than anyone probably could have forecast, um, you know, with, off of one data point, uh, any company that raised money in, you know, 2013 or again in 2017, 2018, whatever, ended up getting really bloated. And then because it's transactional revenue and it's not repeating, it's not recurring revenue, you don't have, you know, SaaS customers or subscribers, right? Then you uh, end up you know, essentially like really bloated and you've got to start firing people basically and cutting offices and all of that, unless you go hard at cryptos or blockchain, sprinkle some blockchain on it, bro. Um, and so that's like what I think you've seen people do. It's some of it is uh, willful ignorance. Some of it is actual ignorance and some of it is just incentives. And some of it is, you know, just what you see with any, any company that's just trying to stay alive and, you know, takes a contract that's like unsavory instead of cutting offices. Cause it's not even necessarily, it's not even necessarily that you would be cutting those people. It's also like, if you start to shrink when you're on a VC growth train, you don't raise that next round in your DOA. Like you're just, it's done, it's over. Right. Mm -hmm. So growth at all costs basically. And I think that's, that's what you see happening with these companies. So, you know, that's been one of the, I mean, that, that is the driving factor behind the two major strategic decisions that we've taken at Swan. One is to focus exclusively on recurring purchases, and we don't even count uh, non-recurring revenue in our revenue column. It's like, it's nice, that's cool, we'll throw some marketing dollars, you know, use that for marketing dollars, but we don't use it in our forecasts, and we don't consider ourselves like further on the path toward break-even unless it's, you know, prepaid annual revenue. 
Um, and the second thing is we've made a conscious decision not to take any uh, fund money. So all 100% angel funded, and we're going to try to do that forever so that we never have someone with, with a fiduciary responsibility to their LPs to try to like flatten the J curve in their fund and have all these messed up incentives um, that happen. And that's not that I wouldn't take venture capital. I mean, I, as you know, I worked in that industry for seven years post Google and raised over a quarter billion dollars for 30, 30 rounds and 20 companies, you know, so I'm very familiar with, with that. And there are businesses that it's great for. I don't think it's very good for Bitcoin. <laughs> Unless you have, you know, and you are starting to see, you know, a handful of funds that will just be there for the long haul and are doing it, you know, really for the, for the love of Bitcoin. And, you know, it's a really short list. I am seeing, you know, seems like Oleg and Folger Ventures are very much down for the cause and will be there for, you know, a long time, however many cycles it takes for Bitcoin startups to deliver. Um, but really, that's it. There's one starting down in Austin that looks like it'll have 20 or 30 mil to put to work, um, but they haven't announced yet. And, uh, and that's pretty much it in our tiny little, you know, Angela syndicate for Bitcoin or ventures. And everybody else might be investing in some, you know, Bitcoin startups, but they are trying to make money off of, you know, fees and carry. And that just by definition ends up sprinkling some blockchain on it, saying like, hey, let's uh, let's widen the conversation. Hey, I, I don't know who's going to win. Like, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's just you, you can't you end up getting, you know, losing your job and getting divorced and having a horrible life if you've put your eggs in that basket and you're only betting on Bitcoin startups this early in the game. Alex, how do you feel about taking some of that VC money? Hmm. Well, um, yeah, I, I, look, I agree with, um, with everything that Corey just said. Um, but but I, I, I still think... Um, I, I don't know what it's been about the way I've approached it. Cause we we've taken both angel money and just recently we took a little bit of VC money. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I was very deliberate about, you know, the VC money that I took though. So, so, you know, they're, they're Bitcoin aligned. Um, so it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's pump, right? So, you know, pump and microscope pop some money in um, via, via Morgan Creek. So, you know, they're, they're, they're relatively, you know, strongly aligned with, with what we're doing, but I think the, the way I've, uh, managed, um, both the investors and the team and everything is by, I hate this word, um, or this idea of thought leader, but I think just, you know, understanding Bitcoin and just being, being, um, almost the intolerant CEO or the intolerant visionary kind of, I'm, I'm not going to compare myself to Steve Jobs here, but, you know, just being the, the person who, who knows why you're doing why you're doing, what, why you're doing what you're doing, sorry. Um, I, I think that's, um, that's been a, a, you know, a differentiating factor. So, so when I hear, you know, people use the usual excuses of, oh, yeah, but, you know, we didn't have a choice, you know, we had to take money in or this and that and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I kind of say, look, I had those same problems. Like we, you know, we came really, 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 really close in 2018 to not having anything left. We we're operating on fumes um, and I still didn't deviate. Like I got offered money from, um, from Dash people, from Litecoin people, from all sorts of people to fucking list things. And, you know, it got really, really tempting. We, we got close to thinking about doing that. We sat, I remember sitting down in the room and doing it. And I just, I don't know, I, I got angry about it, this and that. And I just said, fuck it, I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to keep finding a way to do this. And we managed to pull through. Now, 
um, you know, that, that may not be, that might be, um, we might just be an anomaly. I, I don't know. But, but I, you know, the fact that now that's kind of become a stronger trend um, and we're seeing, you know, more people get behind Bitcoin-only companies, I think that's, um, that's now going to turn into an advantage. Um, so, and, and, you know, people like, I think, you know, all businesses like Amber, like, you know, Swan, et cetera, we've sort of, we've pioneered that. Um, and now there's no longer an excuse for somebody to say, oh, you know, in order to exist, we have to list shit coins or in order to exist, we have to make up a, a fraudulent blockchain, you know, uh, you know, a narrative to, to justify why we need to gain money. Because, you know, now there is examples of companies who have managed to exist and not, by no means, you know, is Amber some successful company yet. Like we're still a startup, we're still young, um, we're still growing, but if we can pull this off, um, you know, we've successfully built a Bitcoin only company, um, you know, it, you know d- during one of the harshest <laughs> periods possible, um, which I think, you know, is, uh, you know, if anything, testament to perseverance and grit. So I think that's important to, um, to have when building something in this space. The hard part is that you kind of have to build during the bear cycle because there's such a crush during the bull cycle, but it's hard to raise money and, and uh, kind of weather the bear cycle. You never know exactly how long it's going to be, uh, but you have to be able to like stay lean until you can get through it. Uh, and, you know, we're all hoping for, for the next cycle to start. Um, let's actually, let's dive in a little bit more into this Bitcoin only industry, the birth of this Bitcoin only industry. Um, you know, like you said, we have, we have River, we have Casa you know, Unchained on the custody front, uh, Swan, of course, uh, Amber, and a slew of other Bitcoin-only, like, recurring purchase uh, companies all over the, the world. Uh, I know Friar Hass is, you know, just super excited about that development, and he's been, you know, documenting it thoroughly on, on Twitter as it's proceeded. So uh, let's start with you, Jimmy. Um, you know, how do you see the emergence of Bitcoin-only companies playing out over the next few years? And have we put to rest the quote unquote need to peddle shit coins to establish a viable long-term business? Yeah, it's interesting because it, it really reminds me of like the search engine wars in the nineties. I don't know if you guys were around back then, but back then there were tons of search engines, um, you know, AltaVista, InfoSeq and Lycos and Yahoo and all of these. Um, and, and the thing about all of them was that they, they all sort of sold out, right? Like they, they started, um, charging companies to be the first listing for certain keywords and, and, and things like that instead of doing something objective. And uh, Google actually came in fairly late into the game. And the thing, the reason why they won was that they were actually the most objective. They didn't sell out. Um, and what uh, this whole discussion reminds me of is that, you know, companies like Coinbase, they're, they're the, you know, Lycos or Alta Vista of 1997 or something like that. There, I mean, it works until it doesn't, until like consumers get smarter about what the hell's going on. And at that point, you can, uh, you know, you, you can actually like uh, get an advantage by being more honest. Of course, Google's gotten more evil since then, um, as Corey already said. But that's that that is what this whole Bitcoin only um, thing reminds me. of. There's another angle there, um, and I'll use, you know, any of these big tech companies or, you know, it, it basically is, there are a lot of people that got in early uh, and were employees of early companies or even started companies that were sort of first to market in a space. Mm-hmm. And they experience uh, great wealth creation and success and a rise in stature. Um, but 
once the company is a little bit bigger and can, can have their pick of the litter um, and can hire, you know, brilliant people from all over the world into these roles, what you find, and, you know, this, this sort of changeover at Google was probably in the sort of like 2008, 2009 timeframe. And, it, you know, that's when they really started to hit hyper growth as far as, uh, as head, head count goes. And what you could kind of see is just like getting rid of all of the dead wood of the people that were just lucky to be there. And I think that's what you see, like, you know, you listen to interviews and read things that Brian Armstrong writes and it's like, you know, that's, it was a great idea to start an easier way to buy Bitcoin when everybody was doing Mt. Gox and he was in San Francisco. He fucking grew up in Palo Alto or, you know, San Jose or whatever. He had like good enough connections to like get some people to work on it with them and raise some venture money and like build this thing. But, you know, if there were four or five other really strong, successful founders that started at the same time, like if it had caught fire and been like, oh, that's a hot space. And, you know, you started Uber, we're starting Lyft. There's no fucking way that Brian and Coinbase win if there were some other good founders starting at the same time. So I don't see that as like some sort of unassailable fortress of awesome in any way, shape or form, because, you know, you, the shit rolls downhill, you take your cues from the top. You know, he doesn't understand the most simple, most obvious thing in the world today. And he hires people that, you know, that agree with him and or that will like let him have his way. And, you know, they keep on doing horrible things and hiring horrible people that do horrible things. And, uh, you know, I don't see that changing anytime soon. So, you know, VCs can keep on throwing tons of money at it and maybe they build up a big kitty in this next bull run. And, you know, maybe it just achieves escape velocity. But what it probably ends up doing is just like selling themselves to JP Morgan or something like that is not going to be the crypto financial institution to end all institutions in five, 10 years. It's hilarious because uh, at least from what I've heard, a lot of the employees at Coinbase are walking around like they're, they're the next Facebook or Google. And, uh, and, the, and the thing is like, they're, they don't like, they're kind of like what you're saying, Corey, they're, they're, they're not that talented. And they, they think that they're, they're, they're this hot stuff because they happen to be at the right place at the right time for a small amount of time. Uh, but I mean, we're, we're dunking on Coinbase here, but for me, the, the bigger company or another company that's much worse is blockchain.info or blockchain.com or whatever. They've done absolutely nothing, nothing for like six years, right? Like, when, when's the, like they only upgraded to HD wallets, what, like three years ago or something? It's, it's insane to me that they, they are still alive even because they, I mean, they, they're supporting Bitcoin Cash. They've supported 2X. They, they did all of these things. They're still not supporting SegWit. It's insane to me that that's a company that's still around. They're, they're kind of like, I don't know, if like Go.com, the search engine, was still around. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. All right. <laughs> nothing. Oh, uh, this is good stuff. Does anybody else have any more fire to drop on this? I don't want to move away too soon. <laughs> Alex, I know you got something stored up, up there that you need to get Dunk on a out. company, man. There's plenty of them to dunk on. <laughs> Look, um, there is, there is. I, I mean, there, there's, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't have any more comments because all I'm going to do, be doing is parroting what, um, what Corey and Jimmy said at this point. I, I think there, there, there's, enough, there's enough to do um, 
in and around Bitcoin and the fact that, um, you know, there's, there's companies that are well capitalized that are still fucking around with things that don't make sense should good enough for anybody that's a consumer of these products to question um, the ethics of a company. And I think the more, the more people um, support businesses that, you know, that have, um, you know, that, that are consistent with their, with their, with their message, their vision, um, their mission, and have some form of integrity around what they're doing. Um, you know, the, the, the more we're going to support the right teams and people um, in this space. So, you know, if anyone's listening to this and, you know, you know, wanting to sort of know what I think about that, that that's really what I think. It's like, you know, if, if you're a Bitcoiner, stop using fucking Binance. Stop using, you know, Kraken or fucking Coinbase or whatever other shitcoin casino you're using. Put your money where your mouth is and back a Bitcoin company. Simple as that. Like that, that's really what needs to happen here. Um, and yeah, you know, at some point, you know, you might save, you know, $5 in fees, you know, every month by using Binance, but who gives a shit? Fucking grow up and like, you know, get behind the people who are, um, who are helping build the infrastructure around Bitcoin, lest you want to remain in shitcoin purgatory for, um, for the rest of your life. Um, and you know, sitting there, um, gambling your um, gambling your fortune away, and you know, trying to you know, quote unquote, make more BTC while I trade my alts, bro. Just shut the fuck up and stack your sats. You know, Here, here's one just addendum to that. I think it's really important for people. I mean, we're we're talking to the core Bitcoin audience on a show like this, right? Yeah. It's just really important to think about what you're recommending to other people. So, if you've been in Bitcoin for six, seven years and you want to go and place a large buy because you just had some, you know, financial event and you, you want to go buy 250 grand worth of Bitcoin or something, by all means, go to an OCT, OTC desk that deals in shit coins or go to whatever exchange, you know, has the cheapest price for you, whatever, do a, you know, maker order and get it for 25 bips or 15 bips or whatever. That's totally fine. Whatever. Uh, do not recommend those shitcoin exchanges to people who are new to the space. You can save them years and marriages, <laughs> et cetera, uh, just getting them to go to sites that only have Bitcoin on them that explain very clearly, get them involved in a community, get them, you know, an Amber membership or, you know, it sounds like Bitter might be coming back to Europe, you know, get them involved in, in Swan in the US or, or River or Bull Bitcoin in, in Canada and let them become part of like a, a site in a community and a regular relationship where they're being talked to about Bitcoin and make sure they get onboarded into this space through the, through the, the right lens, uh, including a little bit of sprinkling of toxicity, you know, because, uh, <laughs> you know, if you've, if you've got two people and one, you know, really, really likes the other person or pretends to, and the second person is looking askance at the first one and being like, that dude's full of shit. You know, 95%, this is a heuristic, but 95% of the time, the, uh, the skeptical one is telling the truth. <laughs> I experienced this, by the way, I'll just get into a quick anecdote. I experienced this because uh, uh, with Jimmy, actually, at my very first ever blockchain conference in, uh, it's probably like October of 2017, and I'd been, you know, reading up on Bitcoin. I was not working in the space yet. It was the first time I was going to anything. I, uh, I finally bought Bitcoin and started reading up in like May of 17. So I think it was like October and there's this like 
raucous, crazy, you know, booth girl, just debaucherous ICO raising bullshit, you know, Mashinsky lying from the stage, you know, et cetera, um, in Santa Monica. And like Jimmy's hanging out with a couple people, like not participating. He's out on the lawn, like in front of the conference, just like, you know, cowboy boots and jeans and just kind of like looking askance at everybody, including me when I sat down. But, uh, you know, he dropped some Bitcoin knowledge on me. He was like, you know, be a little careful. And uh, I started watching Jimmy's song videos and kind of like, it was, it was definitely the next leg up for me at the time. And it was because uh, he didn't want to play nice with all the uh, assholes. So don't play nice with shit coiners. There's no reason to. Don't try to widen the conversation, Raul. Um, <laughs> you know, why don't you we- tell the truth and do right by your users and stop, you know, shilling shit coins in front of your real vision audience. Yeah, we know what you're really trying to do, Raul. I, when I came in to the space, uh, for a, three or four months, I was trying to figure out what was going on, right? Like everybody else who's new. And I was susceptible to the toxicity FUD, right? I was just like, what the heck are all these guys doing? Just like, you know, calling these people out and being just assholes to these people, you know? That's the way I perceived it anyway. And I was like, you know, just left a bad taste in my mouth with Bitcoiners. So it's a real thing. But I very quickly realized once I got you know, somewhat wrecked that this is, there's so much at stake here. There's too much at stake here, right? It's not just money and people's livelihoods, but it's also like Corey said, like literally marriages, uh, this can be, you know, money is, is a very divisive thing in a marriage relationships. And, you know, you lose a bunch of it. That's going to put a lot of strain on relationships. So this is like real life, right? This is people. I mean, I wouldn't even put it, you know, put past to say like, you know, the people are, just, I don't know, depressed, like there's, this affects people, right? And we're going to get into that in just a minute, but there's a lot at stake here is the point. And it's warranted, right? Some of this toxicity towards these scammers is warranted. It's Bitcoin's immune system. And we just can't have, a, you have zero tolerance for this thing. I think it's all good. You know, it's something that we need for sure. And that I support and participate in at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting because uh, what, what you guys are saying about toxicity and all of this, uh, it, it, it really does make a difference whether or not you're like sort of nice to those people or not. Um, in a sense, I, I think Alex could speak better about this, but, uh, but basically if you're, uh, if you want to get the sale, you, you have to get them to like you instantly, right? Like it, it's, it's important to make that first initial impression. Uh, but Bitcoin isn't like sort of like an instant sell kind of thing. It's not, it's not an impulse decision. It's, so it's a much longer term decision. And, and uh, for a lot of shitcoins, of course, they want to get the sale, get people to participate in their ICO or their token generation event, and then, and then you know, kick off with the money. Uh, but when, you, when you're selling Bitcoin, you, you don't want that. You don't want to leave that impression. So I think in, in that sense, like that toxicity or that like sort of almost off-puttingness, right? Like not having the traditional sales model of, hey, you know what, you need to go buy this and we'll be all nice to you. Um, I, I think that's actually more effective for the sort of long-term vision uh, of, of Bitcoin and it, it helps people recognize it for what it is. I actually love that point. I actually love that point. That reminds me of, um, of uh, how, <laughs> I'm gonna use a really funny analogy here. <laughs> um, I don't know why this comes to mind, but when you're, um, when you're trying to, uh, how do I put this mildly? Um, get in a girl's pants. Um, you, um, you, one of, one of the things you want to do is you want to make her earn it. 
So it's kind of, <laughs> can, can we see the parallel here? <laughs> it's, um, is there's, um, where, where, are we getting a lesson in pickup artistry? Is that what you're doing? No, <laughs> this is a lesson in relationships <laughs> and Bitcoin. Is, um, <laughs> look, there's, there's, there's an idea called, you know, you are the prize, which is, you know, and I think this goes, um, there's a parallel here across everything in life is that anything that's worth having is worth earning, right? Mm. And, and that's whether, you know, your time, you know, say, you know, whether it's a business capacity, whether it's as a speaker, whether it's as a, um, whether it's as a leader, um, you know, whether you're trying to pick up chicks, you know, even in your relationship, you know, you, you need to be, you know, the, the person on the other side of the equation that's worth, you know, having that time and, and, and always being a pleaser, always bending the knee, always trying to do a quick sale and all that sort of stuff doesn't imply, um, you know, the it doesn't imply that someone needs to invest some time to sort of dig through, um, you know, the supposed, um, you know, toxicity. So it's like, you know, because the world is awash with people who are desperately trying to vie for your attention and Bitcoin being by nature contrarian, like, you know, you have this community that doesn't give a shit about, um, you know, begging for your attention. You know, we're, we're more about being principled, and saying things as it is, um, and then the onus is on you coming into this space. Yes, we do our best to make it accessible and all of this sort of stuff, but we're not going to deviate the message to sugarcoat shit, you know, so that it sounds nicer. So it's kind of like, you know, p people almost need to earn their stripes to come into the um, into the community. So anyway, but they're the self qualifying the sales lead, uh, and it's it's right. it's a lot easier to sell to those people, which I told that's them. right, that's right, that's right. So um. Anyway, <laughs> I, so I'm going to do a quick aside here because when we get out of lockdown and there are crowds again, uh, we actually are planning to shoot uh, a lot of uh, Bitcoin pickup uh, down in Brecky's neighborhood in Venice, um, <laughs> like actually having Bitcoiners go and try to like accost people on the street and pitch them Bitcoin on camera. Um, and it's 100 percent like uh, like the Sunset Strip 15 years ago with all those creepy pickup artists. That's the whole yeah. plan. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, by the way, I think your flair, uh, I think that's what they call it, right? Flair plus lifts in the boots. Like you, you would have been a, a solid, <laughs> solid uh, pickup artist back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would have been interesting. I've been married for a long time, though. So uh, that, that, that part of my life is way behind. You could have been, been Alex's wingman, though. You know, and, <laughs> and you could have done some, uh, some accomplishment intros or something. It would be great. Yeah, I don't have his beard though. His his beard is uh is totally like natural flair, right? Like it's no, you want diversity in a crew. Whatever. You want you want diversity in a crew. That's that's ideal. <laughs> Cast a wider net. Uh, <laughs> um, this but but it is true. Like a, a lot of these, like sh like it, it, it's crazy to me that people complain about how like oh this community isn't nice to me, therefore I'm not going to buy this coin. Like. Since when do you make your financial decision based on like, what, you know, who's nice to you? You do that, you're going, you're going to get wrecked guaranteed. You make your financial decisions based on like your long-term goals and what, what, what you think will happen based on objective facts instead of like subjective feelings. It, it, it's crazy to me that that's how people are thinking. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, I, I just kept on thinking of like Bitcoin versus Ethereum and like Bitcoin is and you have to come in and you have to learn about what it is and adjust your life and your thinking to fit that reality. And like Ethereum is this like cuddly, fuzzy, warm, 
you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And by, by the way, like Ethereum can be anything that you want it to be. You know, it's just this like malleable, impressionable, immature, unformed, you know, that's who it's for is for people that just want to impress upon it, whatever they want their hopes and dreams to be in some way. So I don't know. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's super beta. <laughs> Bitcoin is super alpha. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it feels to me like it, it, it's kind of like philosophy, right? Like there, there, there are children's philosophies and there are adult philosophies. So adult philosophies have like actual tenets, actual principles, actual something that you believe in. Children's philosophies are malleable and it, it, it fits whatever situation. It's a rationalization engine uh, for anything that you want to do or believe. Um, Ethereum feels much more, and really all shitcoins are, are in that realm of, okay, it's going to be whatever I want it to be uh, because this is, you know, it, it's going to let me do whatever it is that I want to do. Um, you know, whereas, uh, you know, Bitcoin is much more principled, right? Like, and this is something, this is a word that's come up over and over again. It, it's, it's actually got tenets. It's got facts. It's got, um, you know, uh, uh, almost a morality around it that uh, none of these others have. It's like, I, I still remember, like, uh, back in 2017, you know, you go to a meetup that isn't Bitcoin only, and you get passed around white papers like they were scripts at a Hollywood movie studio, right? Like, everyone's like, hey, take a look at my white paper. That's and, you know, I got, I, and then, like, next week they come back, I raised $10 million, right? Like, that, that's the kind of, like, world where you don't have any principles, you don't have any morality, and you're, 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 you just end up doing whatever gets you that money, and this is how you end up selling your soul. Uh, where, whereas with Bitcoin, it's like, well, you stay principle, but man, is it hard to hold off to that when there's like millions of dollars just like, like just, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys have, uh, have experienced this where like people are offering you a lot of money to endorse their product. It's just that you have to give up your soul. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to chime in here. Uh, this is specifically for Nate, uh, in the chat, uh, about, 10 years ago, maybe longer, just before I met my wife, I was visiting friends in Los Angeles and uh, we were just hanging out at a Hollywood club and randomly the guy next to us was uh, this, this bald guy and he was really friendly and it ended up being a guy named Neil Strauss. Uh, and then like, I, like the game guy. Yeah. 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 So, and I, I had totally read the book in like 2006 or something. I thought it was hilariously entertaining and I was, you know, whatever, well on my way to I was, I was past the age where you kind of like gamified pickup, I guess, but I found it super entertaining to give uh, a lexicon to all of that. Uh, so we kind of like stayed in touch here and there. And when I moved to LA, he randomly was like running around in shitcoin circles um, when I got involved in, in Bitcoin and all that, you know, shitcoin madness down here with all the people that made a, a bunch of money on EOS um, before I found maximalism. And uh, anyway, we kind of like stayed in touch. So I actually grabbed like 45 minutes with them maybe a month ago uh, just to talk about Bitcoin and community and how to start a cult <laughs> and all those kinds of things. And just kind of like tested a bunch of my ideas with them. So uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's actually all that far off in some ways. I think Alex is like totally spot on. And, uh, and Nate, yeah, now you have to increase your weekly swan buy by 50% because I had talked about Neil Strauss uh, per request. <laughs> I, did, I did not think that this was going to be the route that we would take to get to this conversation. I actually had the question 
you know, what does Bitcoin do to like, change you as a person, lower, you know, lower time preference, et cetera. You know, the morality of Bitcoin, how it's going you know, to change society as it sort of changes individuals, you know, collectively, et cetera. Uh, but we got there, man. Jimmy got there. I appreciate you guys coming around. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. I mean, well, well it's interesting because there, there is a parallel here. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I mean, I, I think we can all say it. We're, we're all familiar with that game literature and all that stuff and the, and the basic tenants, all the alpha, beta, whatever. And the thing that I've noticed about the pickup, um, quote unquote, industry is that it's evolved, right? Like it used to be you know, dress up in the right flair and, uh, you know, say this line, you know, did you see the fight outside or something like that? Um, it's evolved to something else. And, uh, and you know, what's, what's that book? Um, uh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, right? Like that, that, that is written by a guy that was a pickup artist. And what I've noticed about that book, and when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is basically stoicism for the modern age. And, uh, and he, he basically lays out all of the stoic tenets in a more entertaining way with a lot of cursing, but that's essentially what he does. Um, and that's what game has sort of evolved into is it's, it's more philosophical, it's a lot more principled, and it's, it's a lot more about what makes you a better person. And, th and this is what I've heard from a lot of guys that have gone through that like sort of pickup phase in their life is that they, they do come out of it sort of with actual principles, uh, with, with real moral values and things like that. And, I, I, and a similar thing I think is happening in the Bitcoin space as well, right? Like you, you start off wanting um, the, you know, Lambos and girls and all that stuff. But as you learn about it, as you lower your time preference, it becomes a lot more about improving yourself, improving your life, leaving a legacy, um, doing something that helps the world, helps civilization, helps everything grow. And I, I, and I think that's, that's a real thing, is that it starts off selfishly, but it becomes a lot more, a uh, lot less about you and a lot more about you know, what you can contribute. All right, guys. <laughs> I love that conversation. Thank you, Jimmy, for wrapping that up. That was fantastic. All right, I have a question from the Telegram. This is going to switch directions uh, back to Bitcoin, uh, a little bit more serious topic, but I'm sure we can find a way to uh, inject the fun again. Uh, so, you know, the ability to remain decentralized through, you know, accessibility to running a node is as aggressively defended uh, as the 21 million cap by Bitcoiners. Um, we have about 10K public nodes, publicly available nodes, about 50K, you know, private nodes that are running out there. There's a ton of room for more nodes to be run. We have plenty, you know, it's very accessible all around the world pretty much. There's a ton of room. We only have 60,000 nodes running essentially. So Rob in the Telegram group wants to know, uh, how do we frame the importance of running a node to new Bitcoiners? And, you know, for that matter, existing Bitcoiners, we, you know, need to Im improve uh, decentralization and, and how do we frame that so we can inspire people to run nodes? Uh, let's start with Alex. <laughs> Come on, man. Can you start with Jimmy on that me. one? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna go to Jimmy, but I need, I need to get Alex, uh, you know, yeah. sitting forward a little bit. Let me um, <laughs> lean in. How to answer this question. I think as, as I was listening to you um, to ask it, I was kind of thinking, you know, I, 
I think there's a, um, there's a silver bullet fallacy. I'm, I'm making this uh, terminology up as I go, is um, this idea that there's a single solution for, for any of these um, problems. And, and I think the reality, you know, in the real world, at least, is that um, complex problems um, uh, involve uh, lead bullet solutions, which is multiple shots, um, you know, multiple things happening at once. So, you know, one example is, you know, for, you know if, if we want to uh, help, you know, uh, proliferate the, the number of nodes that are running, I think there's multiple things that need to happen. Number one is, uh, you know, we need to allow for technology itself um, to get better. You know, I kind of envision down the track, and again, I'm not technical enough to know whether this is possible or not, but the, the idea that every single wallet that's running, um, whether on a phone or something like that, is a node uh, in and of itself, um, as uh, bandwidth um, gets faster and as, um, you know, uh, storage gets more ubiquitous, et cetera, et cetera. And this is, you know, why keeping, you know, blocks small um, and the, you know, the block, the Bitcoin blockchain itself um, as nimble as possible is, uh, is, you know, extraordinarily important as a way um, forward when it comes to optimization. And then, you know, on the flip side, you've got the continual um, education. And, you know, I, I wrote a piece alongside Phil Geiger um, from Unchained um, uh, called the journey of a Bitcoiner, and what we what we discussed in there was how you know a product like Amber, um, you know, or for that matter, Swan, you know, we kind of we act as the first um, you know the, the gateway drug almost for people to get into the space, um, and you know we, we you know our job is not to you know because I always get asked you know by people oh when's Amber gonna you know release a self custody wallet and I'm like well fuck that that's not what we're gonna do because that's not our jam you know like if we try to do every single part. Um, of, you know, the, the Bitcoin, potential Bitcoin product offering, um, you know, we're going to be way too bloated. And, and number one, it's impossible. But number two, I think it's just a deranged um, method of thinking when delivering a product or a service. You know, you pick your component on that journey and, you, you know, you do that well. And then you've got, you know, Unchained on the other side, who's, you know, for a more advanced uh, Bitcoin, wants to do some multi-sig or collaborative custody, etc. Um, and, and understands how to do that. And, you know, by working together, we're able to sort of abstract the benefits of collaborative custody uh, for Amber users by us uh, performing the function of storing uh, their funds in collaborative custody um, so that, you know, those users who are new to Bitcoin, who don't understand, you know, keys and all this sort of stuff, they, um, you know, they can enter. And as they, as we educate them through, you know, educational content, this and that, you know, we take them to the first step of, Hey, set up your own wallet, uh, you know, uh, custody your own keys um, and withdraw. And then as, as we sort of start to build, you know, those two steps, which is buy some Bitcoin and then store your own Bitcoin, then the next uh, bit of the journey is then to educate them on the importance of uh, running their own node. But, but I think this journey, you know, needs to take steps and people need to, to go through uh, personal evolutions along that journey. There's no way we're going to get people to run nodes from, you know, day one. I, I, you know, I just don't think that's going to happen. Unless, you know, we get to the point where it becomes completely ubiquitous, where you don't even know that you're running a fucking node, you just are because it's on your phone. And, and I think that whilst that um, is happening, because, you know, we will inevitably arrive at a point where that is the case, um, you know, over the next you know, two, three, five, ten years, you know, we've got to take people through these um, evolutions uh, of, their, um, of their understanding of Bitcoin. So that's kind of the best way I can and so that I think, and then, you know, I, I guess to, to tie off that point is, 
ensuring that that you know coming back to the whole toxic white blood cells slash you know uh, immovable uh, minority that you know will not deviate from the important the, the the important principles of Bitcoin, which is you know self sovereignty, running your own node, etc. As long as that cohort exists in the middle, as long as the center is strong, there will always be a grounding for the rest of the community to sort of to, to hold on to or to point to, which can then permeate outwards. Um, and, and that's the importance of you know people that you know run their own node, etc. To, to to maintain that um, that philosophy. So yeah, I, I, I just think that's gonna that's gonna grow, and it's gonna. I, I think it's not a huge issue. You know, we just all have to do our part. I hear that. I hear that. I'm going to just chime in and, and just give a, a shout out to, uh, to the plebs there because there have been some, uh, some broad conversations on Twitter the last few days uh, about, you know, what exactly is toxicity and how much toxicity is too much, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and I don't think it matters. What matters is that the plebs exist. <laughs> if you don't know what, uh, what toxic plebs are or what Bitcoin plebs are, ask a friend who's in Bitcoin and, uh, and check it out. But, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of the ones that are uh, policing uh, shit coinery and things that are bad for Bitcoin. And they're not always right. And, you know, they're not always nice. Um, but it's important to have, uh, you know, that, that immune system, those white blood cells essentially going and, and attacking anything. And, and it's okay if they get some false positives sometimes. And if they attack somebody that, you know, cause it's, it's fine if your heart is good and you're doing the right thing for Bitcoin or whatever, uh, you can easily defend yourself and there can even be disagreements and you can take different views on things and that's totally fine. But those constant sort of, uh, you know, checking on you. And I, I know Alex has gone through this. I, we certainly have, you know, there, there are people and plebs can be very influential too. It's kind of like more of a mindset. Like I'm going to question, I'm going, I'm going to, uh, not trust. I'm going to verify. Um, you know, we went through it with, uh, the early marketing, um, for give Bitcoin where, you know, some, some strong opinions came out about us using the word time lock because we used to, and we just said give plus time lock plus educate, but time lock is an actual function in Bitcoin. And so you can't use that word if you're talking about, about a Bitcoin product, unless you're actually using the time lock function. And some people were very vociferous about that. And I argued it for, you know, maybe an hour on Twitter. And, you know, then somebody suggested, why don't you just say escrow? And I was like, okay, cool. You know, or you can be obstinate and decide that you want to fight against Bitcoin and, you know, essentially just wash out. Um, and I just don't think that's, I, I have found, I found the toxic voice and the pleb voice and sort of the core Bitcoiner voice to be very reasonable um, on balance when it's sort of aggregated and you look at it and you're going to get in some fights and you're going to have some people that are a little chippy and some people that get personal or whatever. But if you can keep your emotions out of it, it will guide you. Um, the conscience of the conscience of Bitcoin uh, will guide you because it springs from such a beautiful place. Yeah. Um, with regard to the original question about running your own full node, um, I, 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 I don't know if there's sort of like a moral imperative that we can issue as a community and say, you must run your own full node or you're not being a big, good Bitcoiner or anything like that. I, I don't think that's going to work. Uh, what's always worked in Bitcoin are economic Right now, there aren't that many economic incentives because people don't care that much about privacy. And that's really what we're talking about here. If you want privacy, you're going to have to run your own remote. <laughs> if you want to be able to broadcast transactions without anyone knowing about it, if you want to be able to look up your own transactions without anyone knowing about it, you're going to need to run your own node. 
unfortunately, uh, lot, not a lot of people care that much about privacy. And that uh, speaks to sort of like the society that we live in. There aren't that many consequences, at least not yet. Um, but there will come a time when, <clears throat> uh, when chain analysis companies are going to be able to track your uh, spending and figure out that, hey, you, you did this, this, and this, and therefore you owe this much money to this uh, government organization for this particular tax or something like that. At that point, I think everyone will be running because it doesn't cost that much. And uh, from an economics perspective, you're essentially buying insurance to not be um, uh, you know, prosecuted on later on. Um, so I, I think that's what needs to happen. Will, will that require some sort of like enormous privacy breach? Probably. I mean, like blockchain.info, for example, it's a company that we mentioned here earlier. If, if they leak all of their logs and, uh, and you know which IP looked up which address and therefore you can link them very strongly and so on and you lose all your privacy and at some point it leaks that you're, you bought nipple rings or something, then, you know, people are going to figure it out. And, uh, okay, I need to run my own node. I need to have my own block explorer. I need to, I need to do all of these things. That, that's, when, uh, that's when people are going to start running their own node. And, um, and unfortunately, not until then will it uh, become as, uh, as prominent. Awesome. Uh, okay, so we have Robert Breedlove in the Telegram chat room, and he uh, is asking a question that, you know, touches back on the topic that we already, you know, brought up and Jimmy really on, you know, kind of on the nose. Uh, he wants to talk about uh, the, the world being reshaped by Bitcoin, a Bitcoin future when we all have lower time preferences, it kind of bakes lower time preference into how we function as humans, and therefore our society. So, how do you think, Jimmy, how do economic incentives interact with morality? Hmm. Well, I mean, they, they definitely interact quite, quite a bit. Um, so the, the Keynesian worldview is that you, you need to continuously have money sluicing through the economy, right? Velocity of money. You need money to constantly be in motion. Otherwise, it's, it's not doing anything. Um, the Austrian view is that storing of money, capital accumulation is what allows you to build better and uh, better things for civilization and create more efficiency and create better goods and services and so on. Um, the, the Keynesian worldview essentially, or the Keynesian system, fiat money, all of that induces higher time preference because you, you, you don't want money just sitting there. You have to spend, spend, spend. You have to consume, consume, consume. Um, and what, what, what that ends up doing is uh, getting people to have sort of this like YOLO lifestyle where uh, they, they don't really care about 10 years into the future. They'd rather go and do something now. And, uh, you know, I mean, one, one of the things that you see very clearly is that, uh, you know, birth rates have dropped significantly uh, since the creation of the Fed. Uh, and it, it's, it's kind of, or at least since like 1971, birth rates have dropped insanely low. And this is uh, one, of, one of the indicators of having a pretty low time preference. Children, I can tell you for certain, are one of the most low time preference things that you can do because they don't pay off for something like 30 years. So the fact that people are, uh, are able to think more long-term when you have something that isn't sort of inflating away, uh, um, and th this is the main mechanism by which Keynesian economists uh, like force spending of money is through some level of inflation by um, money sort of losing value over time 
uh, they, they force you to spend to consume. By not having that, by having something like Bitcoin, um, you have a much lower time preference. You do things 20, 30, 40, even 100 years from now, right? Like uh, uh, some, of, some of the most forward-looking people uh, have the lowest time preference. Um, I remember learning about like Venice a long time ago and, and, and how the city was built. Um, the, the, the families that control Venice, they had like 200-year plans to irrigate certain parts uh, uh, of the land around Venice so that they can have enough farmland so that they can grow the city and so on. They had like 200 year plants, right? Like this took forever. It was way past their lifetime, but they wanted to leave a legacy. And they did that because they had a low enough time preference where they could build it. And I think that's where, uh, where Bitcoin really helps is in that sort of planning and creating good, creating uh, a society that's lower time preference, that isn't as impulsive, that isn't as susceptible to sales tactics or propaganda and things like that, which we're all susceptible to right now because of. I'll, um, I'll, I'll add to that. So it's, it's funny. It reminds me of a, I saw Alan Farrington. He, he made a tweet uh, earlier today saying, I followed the investing topic and literally everything is about trading. Um, I'm not sure that many people know what investment actually is anymore. And I replied to the tweet. I said, it's transformed from a low time preference allocation of resources into a high time preference blind chase for yield via elaborate professional sounding get rich quick schemes um, and gambling. So it's, you know, we, we've, we've forgotten what the concept of investment um, even means. And, you know, the, the idea, so, so not only does, um, you know, the messing with these base incentives, um, you know, inspire or I guess incentivize uh, behavior that, um, you know, is more consumer and spend oriented, um, it then also uh, incentivizes the larger end of town to continually chase yield. Um, and, and, and I would argue that that's, that's just as big, if not a bigger problem, because then what you end up getting is this misallocation um, of resources, not just through uh, malinvestment because of cheap money, but you also get it through this, um, this incessant chase uh, to, to beat somebody else, you know, or, or to get a better yield or to, you know, to get a better return or to, or to you know, stand still, <laughs> right? Like, exactly. it, yeah. It, it's, it's continuously depreciating. Exactly. So, so you've got to basically rage like forward, um, without a plan, without, um, thinking, uh, you know, uh, long-term without having any, um, so, you know, a lot of people, I, I love this uh, idea that, you know, c capitalism is about, you know, uh, getting, getting efficiency um, out of, you know, uh, so, so that you can create more productivity um, and then make the most use of the resources that you have. And, you know, th this is where a lot of people get capitalism wrong is that they think that capitalism is about using up resources. But, you know, capitalism is about making the best use uh, of resources um, and, and you know your resources are, are part of your of your capital and again in a in an in an environment where time preferences are skewed because incentives are skewed you no longer treat the resources that you have as capital you treat it as a um as something to fucking burn through as quickly as possible uh because the mechanism via which we measure 
prosperity or via which we measure success or via which we measure progress, i.e. money, you know, the, the fabric of society, we, um, you know, it, it's, it's falling in value, you know, it keeps fucking depreciating it, it, and it, and it drives all of these deranged uh, behaviors that we sort of see incessantly in society today. So, and, and this, this is also another thing like where, um, you know, I was on a podcast today with uh, Heavily Armed Clown and Ben Prentice. Um, and, you know, we were, we were talking about how Bitcoin almost represents, you know, kind of chapter two of uh, what happened a quarter of a millennium ago with, um, you know, with the independence of America and the, um, and the creation of the, um, you know, of the constitution and the amendments and everything like that. It's, you know, back then we were, we were, you know, and when I say we, I mean, you know, I'm not American or anything like that, but let's just say a subset of humans uh, went out to, um, to, to escape tyranny uh, from the monarch, from, from the monarchy at the time. Um, and they, they took the time to, to sit down and actually think through uh, a set of rules um, or, or a way to live. You know, they wrote treatises. They, they, they really defined what they wanted to do um, in this new society. Um, and, and they set out to, to build, um, you know, a, a social contract, if you want to call it that, um, that, you know, people could abide by, um, that they could opt into, you know, with, with some principles at, at its core. You know, and those principles... Um, uh, involve you know liberty, uh, private property rights, um, you know the freedom to speak, for the the right to protect yourself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and that was like some really profound thinking. Now here we are, you know, a quarter of a century later, and that shit's been co-opted, um, you know, by maniacs uh, from you know every side of politics. Um, you know, the, the the state has become so large that it um now you know not only. Uh, it's basically feeding on, you know, the, the constituents, which is, you know, us as its, um, as its participants. But, um, you know, Bitcoin's emerged as this new promised land because we, we don't have anywhere to go now. Like we don't, we can't just go and, you know, sail out West because now if we sail out West from, um, you know, California, we're going to end up over in China and I don't know how good that's going to go for Liberty. So, um, so it's like, you know, we don't have a new land to find, but we, we've been able to create this virtual uh, promised land um, where, you know, there's a, there's a constitution uh, called the white paper. Um, it's got some, you know, rules that we can all decide to opt into um, or opt out of if you, if you don't want to uh, play ball there. Um, it's, you know, and, and the, the two things that it's really done well is that it's, you know, it's voluntary. So you can, you know, opt in or opt out. Um, and, and that's really such a powerful um, piece if we want to have, uh, you know, freedom as one of the principles or liberty as one of the principles. And then what it's done is it's, um, so, so you've got, uh, it, it's built uh, private property rights um, into, um, into, the, uh, into the protocol itself. And, and those private property rights are not protected by the rule of law or an institution. They're protected via mathematics, um, which is, you know, it, that transcends everything that we've had before. So, so to, to Rob's question, I think, um, you know, we, we can't, you know, quarter of a millennium ago, we were able to rethink uh, society and build, you know, what was arguably the most prosperous, uh, you know, social experiment in history, which is America, um, from nothing. And it became, you know, the, the powerhouse of the world. 
and still is the powerhouse of the world because some people thought deeply and came up with some rules that really respected things like liberty and private property rights um, at their core. Um, and from there, you know, that this nation grew. And yes, it's devolved into madness now, but you know, we, we are now getting an opportunity to do this in the digital realm. And with this, uh, with this basis of um, you know economics at, at its core, um, you know, with a fair game, like a fair, fair playing field, we can. Um, I think we can redesign society, you know, even better than what we did last time. And um, and, and you know, that gives me hope for the world. Um, yeah, it's my yeah, it's interesting because what, what you're talking about I think is um, not a physical nation but like sort of like a metaphysical nation of some kind right like it's uh, it, it, it's got its own rules and the digital is meta metaphysical it's, it doesn't have a physical form so that that um, you know I, it, we could talk about singularity or whatever but uh, it, it's it's a whole new conceptually um, you know you you have much stronger property rights because you can't you know physical things can be physically taken away metaphysical yeah. things you, you can't take away so it, it's it's a uh, it's much more uh, conducive to individual liberty which uh, you know if, if you think about all the possible crimes and and immoral things that you can do to uh, one another it's a uh, a lot of it is actually just physical right murdering or you know doing um, you know, stealing from somebody, things like that. Uh, the the fact that all, a lot of those things are naturally protected in that metaphysical realm means that this this sort of um, uh, I don't know uh, metaphysical society that we're we're, we're creating uh, is is more conducive to what we really need or want or uh, or believe. It's it's closer to our values and. Um, and it could be enforced without, uh, you know, a, a strong central authority uh, like you need in the physical world. Yeah, it, it, and it can be enforced without um, the the same need for violence that an institution depends upon in order to enforce um, such rules, right? So, so by and large, um, you know, we 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 have tended as hum humans to institutionalize uh, values and ethics, um, and then. Uh, you know, turn them into laws and then enforce those laws with the threat of violence. Whereas this, this enables us to, to you know, um, to embody uh, values and ethics through, 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 like you said, a meta layer, which is really unique. And then it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, interesting to see how that then translates into how we behave on the physical realm. Um, you know, particularly how the world transforms over the coming decades, um, you know, and, and particularly between now and, you know, the year 2100, um, you know, I mean, the, like I, I was listening to a good podcast today about um, uh, complexity and uh, localism and, you know, the fact that when, when, when any system, you know, bloats, particularly a complex system bloats um, too much, you know, uh, from any sort of centralized point, um, it will crumble back down um, and become more decentralized again. Now, the question is, uh, does it happen through our own volition um, or uh, will it happen, you know, uh, through our own stupidity um, and ignorance? And, and at this point in time, like, it seems like some of us are going to, you know, build more robust lives where, we, you know, we protect our wealth and, you know, we think more long-term, et cetera, et cetera, through our own volition. But the large majority of people are going to be subject to, um, you know, the... the the inevitable um, uh, 
collapsing in on itself of uh, these uh, centralized institutions that are fundamentally unnatural. Um, you know, they, 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 on, a, on a time span that's longer than, you know, the next two presidential fucking runs, <laughs> you know, these things don't work. You know, they, they will uh, have to decentralize uh, through choice or by, you know, by natural, um, by natural devolution. So it's going to be interesting to see then as that starts to happen, what Bitcoiners, particularly those um, who've, who've understood, you know, why Bitcoin exists, et cetera, then do in the physical realm with this uh, wealth that they've, um, they've amassed. And, you know, that obviously I'm referring here to the, to the idea of, you know, whether it's citadels or private cities or whatever. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing in the coming decades. You guys both touched on, uh, on something I've been thinking about a little bit, which is um, how many arguments we've accepted as having, you know, two sides or multiple sides throughout, you know, human history or throughout our, our own education. And this could be like, you know, socialism versus capitalism or collectivism versus localism or like all these different things, low time preference versus high time preference. And the existence of Bitcoin and the spread of Bitcoin, you know, especially as we watch over the next decade or two, uh, it just ends so many arguments in favor of whatever fits to Bitcoin because that's just going to be the reality. And so, you know, carrying that forward and thinking about, you know, what is your, what is your community and who do you build with and what kind of, uh, you know, network do you build and who do you spend your time with and who do you work with? Uh, it actually makes all the sense in the world to be spending time with people who understand what the future is going to be like, which is going to be life in accordance with, you know, what naturally flows from Bitcoinization. Uh, so, you know, how you organize an economy and a society and your work and your own life and all of these different things. I think that is probably, you know, at the root of why a lot of Bitcoiners are just more comfortable talking to other Bitcoiners because it's supported by so many different uh, viewpoints in different areas, whether it's economics or government or politics or economy or whatever, um, there's, there's a slant on it or a view on it or, or a reality that's enforced by, by the, the now existence of Bitcoin, where it just doesn't really make sense to have those discussions anymore because we kind of know how it's going to work out yeah. um, or how it's likely to work out at least. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, that's exactly kind of what's happening. And even in crypto, there's this false dichotomy of Bitcoin versus everybody else or something like that. Um, and uh, and it, it goes to uh, this desire by people to be able to define their own morality or define their own reality and pretend that reality doesn't exist and that they can change things to uh, fit whatever it is that they want. This is the mentality of a lot of people in Ethereum. Oh, we can make this new newer system and do whatever, um, and then you find out that reality slaps them hard in the face when you know, their latest DeFi thing gets hacked. Um, the, uh, the thing about Bitcoin is that it is very truthful. Uh, there, there, there's a reality about it, and it, it's solid, and you cannot subvert it. Um, no matter how much you want to subvert it or believe that it's not true, it is true. And um, this, is, this is the wisdom behind number go up technology, right? Like, the number continues to go up. You cannot deny that. You could be Peter Schiff who heard about Bitcoin when it was like a dollar or something. Uh, but you know, I, he can't deny that it's gone up 9,000x since he first heard about it. 
And that's a reality that you have to deal with. If you don't deal with it, then you're not being honest with yourself. Uh, a lot of people like to think that they can define reality however they want because they don't want to be condemned for whatever uh, immoral things that they're already doing. So in that sense, um, Bitcoin sort of gives you a grounding uh, for a lot of other things. And it does end a lot of arguments and it does, um, you know, give you a sense of what's what's to come because it gives clarity into a lot of things that a lot of people have argued for about. It's a fundamental change in society and for individuals. And I, for one, am incredibly hopeful because of Bitcoin. And I've talked a lot on my podcast and elsewhere about how, you know, I, ha I was, you know, rather hopeless uh, before I found Bitcoin. I was, uh, you know, I'd kind of given up to the idea that we were living in a world uh, progressively more absent of privacy and um, uh, without, you know, uh, moral compass in a lot of ways. Uh, and Bitcoin really affects both of those things. I love the fact that Bitcoin and, you know, the mass distribution of cryptography will help, you know, I think increase the amount of privacy that we have in a digital world, but also because, you know, the fundamental properties of a sound money will alter uh, us as individuals and society fundamentally. I just, I am much, much very encouraged by it and why I am, and many of us uh, Bitcoiners are devoting you know, all of our spare brain cycles and all of our spare moments and working, you know, trying to find a way to work full-time in Bitcoin. Uh, it's inspires its own uh, marketing team, developer team, and uh, well, you know, like, I guess uh, evangelists, right? Um, let's yeah, talk well, a bit. I, yeah, can, go ahead, can, can I, can I uh, say oh, yeah. something about that? Because uh, I, I did write a tweet a while ago that said, uh, think about how depressing this whole situation would be without Bitcoin, right? Like, yes. uh, we've been locked out forever, right? And, uh, and there are, uh, you know, riots going on and looting and protests and, uh, you know, all, all sorts of things going on all over the world. In a sense, like all those people that are angry, that are out in the, uh, in the streets protesting and stuff like that, to a degree, I understand it because... If you didn't have something like Bitcoin to give you at least a little bit of hope that things could improve, yeah, I would be angry. I would be, I, I would be out there protesting, trying to figure out who the hell to blame for all of this mess that we're in. Um, and yet, you know, like because there is something that there's a kernel of something. It's uh, let's let's not fool ourselves. Bitcoin isn't that big yet, but. What, once it gets, uh, you know, the, but we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like there is hope at the end of this. Thing. There is economic salvation, if you will, uh, for the entire world uh, after, you know, 50 years of pure fiat currency all around the world. There is something that can change. And that, that's a very good thing. And man, would it be a really depressing time right now if you were stuck at home you know, having to go through quarantine, seeing all the protests, seeing all the bad news on TV with no sports to make you happy, um, you know, like having all, of, like how depressing would it be, right? Jimmy, oh, you, you have Davy Day Trader Global for that. So at least there's, there's bread and circuses out there. And I think that's what we're seeing people do is just Robin Hood, you know, waiting to get wrecked. Um, but yeah, we have something better, which is something in the, uh, in the definite optimist quadrant. Uh, not just the let me entertain myself quadrant. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think J Jimmy took the words out of my mouth. What I was going to say literally after Brady mentioned his thing is like, 
yeah, I, I would be quite pessimistic. Um, and I, I'm, I'm an energetic kind of guy, <laughs> as most people, you know, kind of know already. So, um, you know, I, 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 I shudder to think where a lot of that energy would go um, had I not found, um, you know, Bitcoin as, um, as somewhere to really channel that energy and you know that that quite frankly that um you know that that frustration that i have with i guess you know the the derangement syndrome um or the simulation that we seem to be living in for lack of a better term not that i believe we're in a simulation but anyway let's mathematically proven dude (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh (laughs) All right. So let's apply this discussion that we've been having, which is kind of like, you know, general ideas uh, to our specific situation right now. Uh, How does, uh, you know, Jimmy's already talking about how it, you know, it gives us a source of hope in this particular time, which is pretty dire. Uh, How does it affect the macroeconomic situation we're in and, you know, how the next decade or so unfolds in your opinion? Corey, you want to take this one first? So, I, I mean, I guess we could go, we could go pretty like 30,000 feet on this and just talk about kind of this moment in history and, and kind of what's sparking off here. And, um, you know, I think uh, we've talked before on this show, as have lots of people on other shows about, you know, is, is there an opportunity to get out of these debt super cycles that, you know, Ray Dalio might talk about? Um, you know, it seems fairly clear in the, in the sense of, you know, the, the fourth turning framework of looking at things that it, you know, certainly seems like that's coming and that, you know, whether it's this bubble that really just bursts and deflates all this hilarious, uh, you know, fiat facade that the global governments have sprung on us or the next one, which would probably be in another five years or so, um, you know, something's got to give here. And what we're going to see give is, is the world order that has existed since the end of world war two. And that has sort of, accelerated uh wildly since 1971 and then you know in in geopolitical terms since the collapse of the soviet union in like 89 so i think that's sort of what's given rise to the uh the massive acceleration on this path that's just ended in in this hilarity that we've seen since the gfc1 in uh in 2008-2009 so i think really you know, as far as the transition, what we're looking at is like, will it be hyper Bitcoinization or just soft landing Bitcoinization? Um, but what I'm almost more interested in thinking about, in, and I want to spend a lot more time thinking about this, is what specifically is likely to change? And this comes straight out of the last segment that we were just talking about in each area, whether it's, you know, you know, politics or society or technology or human relationships or the way we organize cities or countries or whatever what are the scenarios that are likely to play out in a Bitcoinized world where, you know, the money printing is taken away from the government. I spent a lot of time thinking about this um, in another area, just, you know, driverless cars, like what, what changes for real estate, what changes for, you know, do exurbs explode because you can essentially have a rolling office and you can get, you know, a couple extra hours of sleep if you're way out in the desert and you're driving into LA without having to be awake you know, and you don't care about leaving at 3.30 or 4 in the morning and going to the office, you know. So similarly, 
what changes in, in a Bitcoinized world. And I, I think that's going to be really important. And I think the, you know, the best politicians and the best leaders and the best entrepreneurs and the best uh, heads of household and, and your best friends are going to be the people that figure that out, you know, the soonest and, and take action toward, uh, you know, skate where the puck is going, basically. I've thought about that question, particularly with respect to Bitcoin. I've come to the conclusion that um, things will be a lot smaller. Um, just uh, right now, every, every company is gigantic, uh, in large part because they need to scale up in order to get a lot of the Cantillon effects of newly printed money. Um, they, and this is why VCs only fund unit or they, they, they're pushing always to create unicorns because you, you don't get a lot of the benefits until you're at least a billion dollars. Um, you're worth a billion dollars. Then, then you have access to all of these things that, uh, you know, large companies have, and you're almost at the point where you're too big to fail. You get bailouts, you get, uh, you know, tax breaks and all this other stuff. Uh, but more importantly, I think that it's it's more natural for human beings to be in smaller groups. Um, and this is, uh, there, there's a lot of evidence with, uh, you know, neuroscience and things like that. Um, you can really only know about 150 people. This is what they call Dunbar's number. And companies that go past that point of uh, 150 people or so, um, they start having some serious problems, um, especially with respect to management, because it's hard to to know what everyone is doing. There's, there tends to be a lot of dead wood and so, so on. So um, I think companies become smaller. Countries, I think, also eventually become smaller because uh, there, there's an enormous amount of inefficiency that's being propped up by fiat money right now. There's a lot of rent seekers. There's a lot of people that aren't doing much in a lot of governments, um, but they're propped up because fiat money can, uh, you know, uh, buy up the bonds that these governments create um, and you know, they're the lenders of last resort or whatever. So it, it's um, And as things get smaller you get actually a lot more personalization and localization and a lot more efficiency a lot more things that people want a lot better quality things like that uh, and you get micro states maybe you get uh, you know sort of like the city states of yesteryear uh, you know back when Europe was on the gold standard uh, there were a lot more smaller city-states and even bigger countries. It was really more smaller states uh, that nominally paid taxes to the king, but not quite as much as we do now. So um, I suspect that things will get a lot smaller, and that's, that's uh, something that I look forward to. Now, how's that transition going to happen? I don't know, but I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine uh, the U.S. government giving up its dollar hegemony uh, you know, just right away, uh, willingly or whatever. Uh, but, you know, as Bitcoin uh, gains in prominence, this is something that's coming. I don't know if it's in the next 10 years or the next 100, uh, but it will happen. And, uh, and like planning for that world, a world where, you know, like banks aren't as important, politicians aren't as important, where, uh, you, know, uh, you know, VCs aren't as important, things like that. It, it's, it's kind of a crazy world to think about, but it, it's not that different than say the world was like 150 years ago. So I look to the Wild West era as sort of like an indicator of where we're going to head, but you know, in a more modern kind. I like that. I like how um, the, the, the idea that, I mean, I feel like society, um, you know, ebbs and flows anyway, like, you know, human beings, there's a, there's a really good model and I'm writing an article now, which is, you know, Bitcoin uh, through the 
through the eyes of spiral dynamics. And there was a, there was a really good um, uh, philosopher slash psychologist called Dr. Claire Graves who came up with a model called um, spiral dynamics. And um, he talks about how, um, you know, spiral dynamics is, is, is a view of the, um, the mimetic uh, evolution of, um, of the way people, um, uh, you know, operate um, at an individual level um, and at a, at a societal level and, and the values that come at each, um, at each level. And, you know, it starts, sort of starts off as beige, which is, you know, survival, um, you know, where, where the, you know, it's, it's uh, egocentric, it's about me and it's about, you know, um, literally, you know, existing and surviving. And that, that's sort of where, you know, all human beings start and when we're born as infants and you sort of, we, we grow into, um, you know, the, the purple level, which is, um, is a little bit more about we, it's, it's, it's tribal, um, and you know, we, we evolve into thinking uh, more about a group and, and you sort of see this evolution in society in both, um, and kids as they grow up, as they start to realize that it's not just about them, you know, they have a brother that, you know, the sister or, you know, that there's parents, etc. where they start to, you know, realize that there's other entities outside of them. And then, you know, we, we then evolve, we, we pendulum back into a more egocentric uh, model of, um, of, you know, the red color, which is, um, you know, power god um you know and and you kind of see this embodied in people like um you know the the genghis khans of the world you know or the um you know the 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 warrior king or the warrior god and and that sort of you know is the the kind of person that um you know kind of elevates outside of um you know the the purple mentality and you know the the essence of the energy is you know uh you know leadership but then it um it uh how can i say um you know, there's a, all of these layers are really important, um, you know, before I go into the rest of them, but um, they, 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 as with anything in, in life and in the world, um, they, they come with um, an important essence that we need to integrate, um, kind of like what Peterson talks about when he talks about the shadow, um, but alongside, um, you know, vices, you know, as with anything, there's virtues and vices, right? So, you know, red was the evolution uh, beyond purple. And then, you know, we sort of society and, you know, people evolve into then the next layer, which is blue. And blue is kind of personified through, um, you know, values of systems and processes and procedures and rules and laws and all this sort of stuff. And you sort of see society kind of moved into that. And, you know, uh, social constructs that are very blue are things like, you know, whether it's religion or whether it's, um, you know, the police, whether it's, um, you know, the, the nation state or whatever it's, it's, you know, it, it creates a system to, to function within. Um, and then, you know, you see society and people, you know, kind of evolve into the next, uh, value set, which, you know, is characterized by the color orange in this model. Um, and orange is a little bit more, you know, it's, it's science, it's achievement oriented, you know, entrepreneurial, it's about flair, it's about breaking the rules, but you see a pendulum again, to, to being, you know, more in, individual centric. Um, and then, you know, the, the next evolution in this sort of first phase. So this first phase talks about, you know, these six levels of um, uh, mimetic um, social um, and individual values evolution. Um, you know, the sixth level is this, um, you know, idea of uh, green um, and the idea, you know, you know, people are connected and, you know, we're, um, you know, it's all about we and, you know, you kind of see this embodied in kind of like the, the, movement of the 60s you know the hippies and all this sort of stuff and you know um and and they, they all have their place and what, one of the mistakes people make is that um you know that particularly in societies that um have gone through and grown through each of these levels is that um you know someone born 
um, you know, in the modern age is generally born into relatively orangish or greenish type society. And they think that they view the world through that um, value lens and they think that their value um, hierarchy is right. You know, this is the right way to do it and everything else is fucking wrong. And what they don't realize is that, you know, uh, to be a whole human and to be, uh, you know, a functional group of human beings, um, you know, we, we need to somehow have elements of each of these things. And w where I see Bitcoin is it's, um, it, it kind of takes a leap into the, into the next realm uh, beyond these uh, six levels, which is characterized through yellow and turquoise. And yellow is really the understanding that each layer um, has its place and the ability to then flow or flex flow between all of these states um, and apply the appropriate values um, at the appropriate time for the right reason. So it's a much more objective um, kind of view. So, um, you know, I like when I first, so, so I used to study a lot of psychology when I was younger and, you know, I did all the whole NLP and all that sort of stuff. I was like the youngest NLP practitioner in Australia and all of this shit. So I, I did all that stuff, but, you know, doing that in the early days, I, you know, I spent some time going through this Claire Graves model and I've never in my life um, seen something that enabled society to sort of become a little bit more yellow, become more integrated in its um in its ability to allow people to um to 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 adopt the best of each um you know kind of yeah i've almost forgotten the the original question from you brady but just i, I think of something to do with um macro um but that's kind of like a really large um viewpoint from from a from a evolutionary psychology perspective of, um, you know, what Bitcoin may enable. I encourage everyone to look at some of Claire Graves' work. I think it, um, it really allows you to sort of view behavior um, through, you know, value structures, um, you know, for people, you know, on a, both an individual and on a, on a social level. So it's a, it's a really interesting model. And I think, um, I mean, like I said, I'm going to write about it, but I think it's, uh, you know, Bitcoin for the first time enables uh, something like this to um, to evolve beyond where we've been um, stuck at, I think, uh, for a long time now. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This was a fantastic, wide-ranging conversation. I love this format because we get a couple of great Bitcoiners together. The brains interact. We end up like going all over the place. I think we touched a lot of you know deep, important topics. We had a lot of fun in the middle there as well. So appreciate your time, guys. Thanks, Alex. Really, thanks, Jim. Um, yeah, man. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Fiat the lender asked. Uh, cl closing <laughs> thoughts. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I was going to say something stupid about picking up chicks, but I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I think you picked them all up. Grow already, a it beard. Like. Yes. Uh, <laughs> grow a shaggy oh, yeah, beard. Absolutely. And talk about Bitcoin. Uh, actually, yeah. that would be really fun, Corey. Like uh, doing a Bitcoin pickup uh, thing on, on Venice Beach or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. we're we're thinking of sending people out, and so you're not uh, feeling lonely, and like so people would actually see that there's something going on. We'll like hire an actor to stand there in a giant swan mascot. So he's like seven or eight feet tall uh -huh. so that whoever's doing the pickup at least feels like they have a wingman, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll just but be I, like a giant I, I swan mean, mascot. You, you, should, you should have a contest. See how many, like if you could get them to actually buy Bitcoin, yeah. that, that's counted yeah. as a win. 
And then like, uh, if you could do 10, then you get like, I don't know, 0.1 Bitcoin or something like that. Like, <laughs> I, I love it. That, that's like your, your prize. And then, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, like, you, it, it makes sense. But I mean, that, that is exactly like just, you know, I've got my Swan Force shirt on, which is our, you know, referrals army. And we have people that make referrals to Swan and they go out and we basically try to arm them with memes and slide decks to go out into the world and like pitch to their friends or go to a local, you know, if they're in college. Can you get like, Neil Strauss to do it? Because I, I would love to watch him on video. See, well, he, see, he's a hodler. He's been, he's been hodling for a long time. Um, no, no, no. I mean, yeah. I want him to go and try to uh, market that way and see, see how successful he is. He uses mass media. You know, he'll, he'll write about uh, it in Rolling Stone <laughs> or something like that, as he did a couple of years ago. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, he, he doesn't have to do hand-to-hand combat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he just lets them come to him. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's it's part of what you know companies like Alex's and and ours. Uh, you, you have to build a community of people that are going to go out and 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 spread Bitcoin knowledge by word of mouth, and, and that is the kind of factory that we try to build and and to enable people to go out and and be better talking to their uncle and their cousin and their friend and their coworker about Bitcoin and teaching people how to, how to talk about this. And I think Alex nailed it. There is no silver bullet. You've got to really tailor it to the audience that you have, but you need enough arrows in your quiver um, so that one of them will actually hit the target and get them to, you know, start down the rabbit hole. And then it really is a personal journey. And we all know that no amount of intelligent, you know, spewings from anyone was going to get you to go down the rabbit hole until you actually started wanting to learn for yourself. So you're just trying to spark that in the people that you care about. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I read a book on propaganda a while back. Uh, Jacques Ellul, he wrote a book on a book literally named Propaganda. One of the things I learned from it is that uh, propaganda isn't about brainwashing people uh, as is popularly perceived. Uh, the, the main thing that you need to get people to do is to take action. Uh, even mm. if it's a if it's a very small step, it tends to make everything else happen on its own. And uh, and th- this is uh, absolutely true of Bitcoin too. It's one thing if you just give somebody Bitcoin, they don't really care about it because they they didn't take the action. But if they go and buy Bitcoin, then it changes everything. Um, and that that's where like if you if you can just get that tiny step, then they're down that rabbit hole right away. Whereas, you know, if you, if you don't have that, like, action that you've taken, then, then it, it's a much harder journey. It's a lot more, uh, it's a much longer journey. It's a lot harder to come out on the right end uh, and so on. So something to uh, think, think about and figure out how to market on. That's what we're here doing, man. That's what, we're, that's what we're doing. And, Literally uh, just define the red pill just then. <laughs> that is the red pill yes scaling the orange billing uh, one person at a time and get that uh, network effect working for us it's gonna be fascinating to watch guys uh really proud to be you know alongside you all in the trenches trying to uh red pill everyone as many as possible all right orange pill orange pill thank you um all right we'll wrap it up there this was fantastic thanks again guys Uh, If you are watching on YouTube or Twitter, you can subscribe to the podcast. We publish these as audio later, usually the same day, at swansignalpodcast.com. We had probably the most active chat room of uh, any session to date 
in Telegram, t.me slash swansignal. It was a ton of fun. Uh, you know, we all had a good dozen people really going at it in the chat room, a lot of fun. So join that and you can ask questions of our guests in real time and uh, have a lot of fun joining the conversation. All right, that's it. Take care, everyone. Thanks, crew. Thank you. This song's done. <laughs> All right. This done. swan is done. <laughs>Thanks to Jimmy and Alex for joining us on Twitter. You can follow Jimmy at Jimmy Song at J I M M Y S O N G and Alex at Alex Svetsky. That's A L E K S S V E T S K I. Corey is at Corey Clipston, C O R Y K L I P P S T E N, and myself at Citizen Bitcoin. On behalf of the Swan team, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Swan Signal podcast. You can join us live next time if you're able. Jump into our Swan Signal Telegram chat room at t.me slash swansignal. And you can follow along live. We have a lively crew there that chats during our conversation and in between each episode all during the week. You can also watch, like I said, at the top on Twitter at swanbitcoin and YouTube at youtube.com slash swansignal. Swan Signal is a production of Swan Bitcoin at swanbitcoin.com, the best way to accumulate Bitcoin. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us.